Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the State of Play podcast, episode 59. I'm your host, Martino Puccio. Joining with me today is Pet Barisha. He is back from feeling under the weather, but we lose Matt Santangelo. Um, he was saying he was feeling under the weather, Pet. So from one to the other, it's just, yeah, it's, just <laughs> rota- it's just rotational now from the two original State of Play hosts. Um, yeah. But how are you feeling? Much better now. Yeah, well, good. I was actually under the weather about four weeks ago. The last couple of weeks have more been because I've moved flat. So that's been kind of on my mind. I think the last episode I appeared on was with Sam Tai, which was a really awesome one. I hope you guys enjoyed that one. But as you mentioned, Martina, you can find me at P-E-T-B-E-R-I-S-H-A on Twitter. And I think we've got a lot to talk about, right? Um, It's been a really interesting first two or three weeks in basically every top five uh, league in the top five uh, European ones. And I guess there were some weird takes and some odd takes from a lot of people about a lot of teams in Europe this season that seem to have been, you know, unraveling pretty quickly. The likes of, I think City are going to win the league this season or, (laughs) um, you know, Bayern Munich are going to walk the league this season, which, you know, by all means, they're probably going to still do. But I guess we'll start in the Premier League, won't we, Martino? Because... And we'll start on on the most latest game, the the biggest game of the weekend, which was uh, Liverpool Arsenal. Um, Liverpool's best performance so far of the season. Yeah, I I think so. And you know what? It's not even like Arsenal were that awful either. Like I thought they played they they played pretty well for where they're at. Right? People just forget where Liverpool were on a level. Um, I didn't take them too seriously after the COVID return. Because you can't really, like, what were they really playing for at the end of the day? Champions League was eliminated. They ran away with the league. Um, I guess you could say, I don't know, just just for conditioning purposes. Mm. But I, I couldn't take away too much. And I think that's why people were kind of leaning back with City. They're like, oh, Liverpool's coming back down to earth. City won't be as poor again. And then I think all those messy rumors were the reason why yeah. a lot of people were jumping on City. And um, <clears throat> so for me, with Liverpool, it was just... It looked like every top player that helped them win the Champions League and win the league by over 20 points was on their A game yesterday. And I don't think yeah. anyone put in a poor shift whatsoever. Like some of the moves that Sadio Mane was pulling off yesterday was just so disgusting near the touchline, getting, getting dribbles past um, whatever player he was against and, and crossing the ball in the middle. I mean, Mohamed Salah's pace again, it was just – when when his pace is clicking and he's beating men and he's getting shots on target, he's one of the most unstoppable players in recent memory in the Premier League. And, you know, you can only do so much, uh, whatever team you are, when those guys are at their best. And then Allison is – I mean, there was the one hiccup from Andrew Robertson, but Liverpool responded immediately. It was within two minutes. and that's mm. And that's why they're champions and that's why – they're always lifting these trophies and they should be favorites again for this title is that, you know, even if they get off to a rough start, one of their players um, and Andrew Robertson plays poorly, gives up a goal. He ends up playing a great match. He ends up scoring and, you know, he makes up for it and his teammates pick him up. Like that's what all the great clubs and, and squads do. And, you know, it's a good learning experience for Arsenal because they didn't look like, they were dead dogs and just let mm. Liverpool run all over them. They gave them a match for them. Like, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't that they kind of looked lifeless like they did at times under Emery. Like this was, I thought they competed, but Liverpool's just on a different level. Yeah, it's, it's a weird feeling of um, not being too dispirited as an Arsenal fan from losing to the best team in the world. 
to also being slightly frustrated because at 2-1 down, you have an amazing chance and also you're in the game until the, the 92nd minute. Um, and I guess also there's the, the slightly contentious, a lot of people are calling it the orange card that could have gone against Mane, the uh, could have been a red yeah. and as a yellow, but on your day that goes as a red and... I don't think too many Liverpool fans complain. Um, it was that much of a 50-50 decision to the point where it was looked at uh, by VAR continuously. But, you know, it's just one of those things. I, I, I truly think that Liverpool are going to win this, the league this season again by, you know, 8 to 12 points. That's my estimations. I think City, once the, the transfer window is over, will for sure have reinforcements. But are those reinforcements to the calibre of even the third best centre-back at Liverpool. I'm not too sure. Like, I, I, you know, there's the... Um, the they're about to sign uh, the centre-half from, from Benfica, Ruben Diaz, and for, for, you know, 70 million euros. And I don't think he's better than... Um, I don't think he's better than, for example, Matip, who is third choice at Liverpool. I don't actually think he's better than Gabriel, who Arsenal have recently bought. Um, I don't think he's better than Milan Skriniar, who sit, uh, Liverpool, yeah. uh, to Spurs seem to be going hard after, even though I think he's definitely declined in the last 12 to 18 months. Um, you know, it, you could make a case that that's a player that is on or in and around the level of an Nathan Ake, who struggled at times against Leicester but 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 I think you know it's just been poor planning by City they've bought players and and I know City uh, have always come out this with this notion that you know we're not going to spend 100 million pounds on a player hmm. because we'd rather have the you know uh, lower downside and, and higher upside of paying 40 or 50 million when um you know for two players and you know that works with um that works with the likes of uh, Gabriel Jesus. That works with the likes of uh, Riyad Mahrez, who have been excellent signings for Man City. Raheem Sterling was around that fee, for example. Mm-hmm. But when you spend like 30 million on a keeper and another 30 million on a keeper, and only the second one worked, and you spend 50 million on a, on a left back and you spend 40 million pounds on a right back and 50 million pounds on a right back and you spend so much money on defenders and you end up with a crop of players who... In actual fact, if you look around, isn't the best defense in the league. You kind of have to question the recruitment policy that Man City have employed, where they seem to be paying not that much per player, but they are overpaying for some players in isolation. And overall, if you look at the assets that they've got under the bonnet, they are overpaying as a, as a club, as a, as a, as a business. I, I think almost every single purchase that they've had in the defense was a complete overpay, in my opinion. There's just so many guys out there that if you just have great recruiting, like you're able to fill them in. And even if they are a little bit less of players than some of these guys, it's not by a wide margin. And, and the thing is, for me, they have to be amazing if you're spending all of this money. Like that's – what is it? It's it's over like 300 million pounds at this point with all the reinforcements from the center backs to the full backs that they add, uh, like even a Cancelo signing. I mean, what what even is he to them at this point? Is he just some rotational player? Like you can't be a rotational player if you're going for like around 50 million pounds. Like that's inexcusable. You got to be one of the better right backs in the league uh, or, or right wing back, whatever situation they want to deploy him in. For me, 
I just don't get why you don't go after Koulibaly, man. I mean, it's you need someone who could win now. Like, what is the goal here? Is the goal the Champions League? Because the Champions League, to me, you're not communicating you're going to win that if you go for Ruben Diaz. I just, I just don't see it. I just don't understand it. Because at the end of the day, like, what else is City missing? We know their domestic dominance. We know how great they're, they, they play all the time in terms of scoring all of these goals. But, you know, Liverpool haven't come close to spending the amount that they do on the defense. We know Van Dijk's fee was astronomical, but he lived up to that in tenfold. What has any defenseman that they've signed like lived up to that billing, or even Apart from Laporte, come out a lot? Edison and Laporte have been have been the good signings. I, you could argue about Edison, Kyle yeah. Walker. I mean, that's cool. Kyle Walker to an extent, yeah. I, I I think so. If anything, he's just you know justified the fee. I don't think he's outplayed his fee that he was signed for. Right. Um, mm. For me, this is more of an indictment on Pep too. Like, yeah. How can you not get this together? Like, if you if you are considered the greatest manager of all time by some people, even though I think that's an exaggeration, um, like what, what like what's your excuse here? You can't even get this. Like, this team isn't even a top five defensive team yet. Or do you even think they're close to it? Because I don't. I just when when I think of City, it's just if we could if like your game plan is okay. If we could limit some of the chances that they create and limit their goal scoring opportunities like they can be had easily like they were undressed by Lyon that that's kind of embarrassing it's really embarrassing it's a big black mark on on Pep's resume that he's never won the Champions League without um without Messi I think that's going to be a huge huge if he doesn't do that in the end considering the squads he's had and considering the fixtures he's had you know like (laughs) losing to Lyon losing to Monaco um, the Bayern side that he had getting absolutely trounced by Real Madrid, if you can, if you can remember. Um, Spurs. I, Spurs as well, you know, like you can call that unlucky, but you've got to beat that Spurs side that you... you can't you be beat. in that position in the yeah. first place to, to, yeah. to lose. And I think, you know, we were talking off air, Martino, that it's not good planning from Man City and it's not good from an operational standpoint and from a business standpoint, but that still doesn't forgive Pep's in-game management of the situation. So Leon, for example, why they mm. played five at the back against a team that has absolutely nothing and their weakest point is their defense, right? Leon's strength is going forward. Dembele, Awa, Depay. But for some reason, you don't go and attack their core instabilities at centre-back in midfield. You don't dominate the game and you don't attack them as much as you should. Cool. That's one situation that you can park. But against Leicester the other night, I looked at the game 50 minutes in and what he did was bring on um, Liam Delap. I think that's his first name. Uh, Delap, the young striker, 17 years old, who scored in midweek in the Cup for his first ever appearance in the Premier League. 17 Mm. years years old. And it looked really desperate. Um, and it was really strange to me because not only did it look desperate, it was really, really early in the game. 
Um, it, it caused a sense of panic probably to, to the squad. It, um, it removed Fernandinho from the game, who was probably City's best player from what I was watching in front of me. And it also meant that, and, and a lot of people have said, that, oh, well, they couldn't deal with Vardy's runs in behind. But actually, when they had Fernandinho on the ball, he was stopping a lot of those passing lines. And he was actually recovering the ball further up the pitch for City to kind of exploit an attack. And as soon as he went off the pitch, you just had Rodri on an island on his own. And he could not make up the ground physically to cover the spaces that the passes were coming in from. And when you've got athletic midfielders like Tielemans um, and Harvey Barnes, who were running off the back of that midfield and playing those balls in behind, who were they running up back off, off, off the back of? It was Rodri. And who were they paying, who were they playing the passes in behind? They were playing the, in the passes in behind um, uh, the city defence. And they were also part, playing passes past um, the midfield, which I think Fernandinho would have been occupying some of those spaces. There is no way that City concede that many goals if, um, if he's still on the pitch. And I just found that a crazy decision. The lap didn't get in the game. He had one header that hit the crossbar that was from like a very unpep cross from the left-back area from Mendy, I believe. <laughs> it just reeked of panic, desperation. Someone who... Um, made a decision for the sake of making, making a decision. Maybe he wanted to spook his own, own team into playing well. But what that City team just needed in that game was just to continue playing how they were playing and continue trying to score. It was just really, really, really strange management for me. Uh, for, for me, I think it's just coming down to he feels like he needs to be the smartest guy around. And when that happens you start questioning yourself and overthinking and making silly decisions like you mentioned. And Mm. the second he starts second guessing himself and not sticking to what he knows as a manager, then that, then that's really bad. I think that could spiral out of control fast. I don't, this is, this is a real life decline in my opinion of a manager. Like the top manager in the world Mm. doesn't make decisions and mistakes like this because now it's a trend. Pet. This isn't this isn't something that like okay Pep Pep just like struggled with this he made the wrong substitutions they'll come back City will be fine like after what happened last season what's going on in the Champions League and, and now no team that spends that amount of money should ever be giving up five goals no matter how good Leicester is no matter how good uh, and how much of a legend Jamie Vardy is to that extent like it's inexcusable. This is, it's down to the point where I truly don't know how much longer Pep can survive at City. I don't think Mm. they would, they would sack him, but his tenure there, I mean, how much longer can they really go on with this, that City is just going to accept this? Because at a certain point, his voice is going to get tired in that locker room, um, as it happens to all great managers. There's, they're going to need to do something if they want to go get that Champions League trophy. Because whatever's working or not working right now, whatever they're going with, it's not going to be enough. Because now it's just like a a, a trend that I kind of see with Barcelona too in the Champions League. Like, Like something's clearly not working there. And if City doesn't get a hold of it and fix that issue by this season, then you're forced to make a change. Because then you're just going to be spending money blindfully and what you're going to be hoping for Messi to come in the summer to save you guys and save face. I just, for me, there's just something about the vibe at Manchester City. And ever since that loss um, against Lyon now, I think it's really carried over because, I mean, 
not even defeating Arsenal and respect to Arsenal for, for winning the FA Cup. I mean, just stuff that we usually saw that was in the bag from the best city sides in terms of trophies and winning matches. You just don't get that vibe that, okay, this is one of the greatest Premier League teams or one of the greatest teams that's ever graced England. Because at this point, I don't think they're, I don't think they're like that anymore. They, they don't, they wouldn't fear me if I'm another fan in the Premier League. I think that they kind of have this vulnerability about them right now. And I think they should, I think some city fans should be a lot more worried than some might not be because this is, it's scary at this point because this is inexcusable with the money spent, the manager that you have, the talent on the squad. I, I just, for me, if the, if the expectations are raised for this club, then the criticism has to be as well. And, and the squad feels pretty stale and it's not for a lack of trying. You know, John Stones, 47.5 million. Benjamin Mendy, 52 million. Yeah. Carl Walker, 45 million. Laporte, 57 million. Great signing. Danilo, 26.5 yeah. million, lasted 18 months. Angelino, 18 million, has never really played a game. Jao Cancelo, 60 million not really played. Nathan Ake, 41 million pounds, has not had the greatest start to his City career and I, I didn't really think he'd be a starter. Ruben Diaz, 65 million. <laughs> you know, they've refreshed that defence but nothing's really worked but I kind of fear that by the time the defence gets good enough, you suddenly are in a position where Aguero's waning and um, Mares isn't getting any younger. De Bruyne isn't getting getting, uh, getting any younger. Fernandinho has is he going to be replaced? Gundogan is is old. Um, there are going to be some big ins and outs. I think over the next twenty four months at City, maybe including the manager, if they're going to actually get to the Liverpool the Liverpool level, right where they're going to be really because mm. I don't see it this season unless we see. You know, if Messi came, then sure, you know, you could you could have a situation where you ship a couple of goals, but you have Messi, so you're going to probably score yeah. three or four hmm. goals a game. But I just don't, I just don't see it. I just don't see it. But um, I mean, we've talked about Pep and City a lot. I just want to talk qu- really quickly about um, Everton and uh, Ancelotti's impact there so far. Um, I, I think in a couple of previous episodes, or maybe a previous episodes that I've been on, I've talked about kind of like the signings of Allen and Decore and um, and uh, Hammers being kind of like weird because they're the hit from the here and now and they're expensive, whether it's wages or transfer fees. And if they don't work, then you're in a really, really sticky situation. Mm. But when they do work, you look amazing. Um, and I think from the club standpoint, I wasn't a massive fan of the recruitment, but if a manager can translate the here and now talent into results, then you can't really argue against it, can you? No, you can't. And I was very skeptical skeptical of that Ancelotti uh, appointment as well. Because yeah. talk about a man who's been declining. I mean, if you just read into some of the comments after he left or got sacked, <clears throat> excuse me, from Bayern Munich, like that, those were some heavy-hitting comments by them saying Bayern Munich has to get back to the way that they were. There was a lot of turmoil out in, in Napoli with – Rumors that his son was running a lot of the things. There was, um, you know, a strike within the locker room. Like, what even – forget the tactics, tactics on the field. Does he even have the same presence in the locker room that he once did when he was at Milan or, or Chelsea or even a, at the early part of Real Madrid? You just didn't really see that. And it's a major question mark because there's a lot of people and the players that they recruit as well that have a lot of, of question marks hanging above their head like, what version of Hamas Rodriguez is going to show up? 
right? Like Alan was supposed to go to PSG for around 80 million euros, gets sold to Everton for around 30 million. And you're just sitting there to yourself, okay, these are talented players. It's a former world-class manager. If everything goes right and you catch lightning in a bottle, then it's fantastic because then that really takes a lot of the pressure off of Rick Carlson. For me, it's just how sustainable is this going to be over a course of time? Because you're going to be asking these guys to carry them week in, week out. Um, you know, a Moise Kane as well has to step up. Is Ancelotti still capable of developing players like that into, the, into their full potential? I don't know. But for me, they're playing great. And as of right now, it's paying off. And I do think they'll be in a hunt for like a Europa League spot for most of the season. I don't, I don't think this is a top four team, if anyone Not. were to think that. I don't think that they're even close to it. But I do think on a certain level, on their best day, they can definitely beat a Wolves. They could definitely beat a Spurs if all As if they've all already done, go. yeah. Yeah. It's, there, there's some potential there, but, I mean, at the end of the day, what are your expectations really for them? It can't be that high. Yeah, I, I think um, uh, it's um, it's weird. Like you know, as we said, football is is about fine margins. If they do, um, if they start winning off to winning start, then you're like, wow, this is amazing, great signings, mm. managed doing really well. But uh, sometimes it doesn't always go that way. You know, um, doesn't always go that way. But I think we talk about the Premier League quite a lot. Um, I quickly want to talk about PSG and Lyon in league uh, to France's bigger clubs, but PSG. I mean, there's rumours that Neymar might be out till 2021 uh, with a mixture of injury and potentially a ban due to like racial allegations or racial abuse allegations. Um, yeah, I, I, you know, it seems as though he is out for one reason or another for about a third of his playing career. Um, mm. I don't know. It's 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 interesting, and I think it's um, it's it's in a weird state of flux in in PSG, where both he and Kylian Mbappe have two years left on their deal. I, I do wonder how interesting a period it's going to be for PSG over this season and the next. I doesn't it feel like the writing was is on the wall for them to an extent? They have this vibe after losing that Champions League final that kind of spurs head, and you're like, okay, they almost got over the hump. They just need to fix a few things and then, hey, maybe they could finally win the Champions League. And then you just get into it. Immediately after that, players are out exposing themselves to the virus. Um, Players are still getting hurt. Mbappe hasn't extended his contract. Tuchel is up in the air with some of his stuff. They can't really sign anyone. They spend 60 million euros on Icardi to stay. And Icardi was unplayable towards the biggest matches of their season in the Champions League. They lost out on Alex Tellis. Um, Leonardo's returned, but even then, he did a miserable job at, at Milan when he returned there, and that was like a little over 12 months. For me, I mean, there is – and Cavani leaving too. You can't forget that. There's just something about them right now. They already have two losses with this. They have to deal with suspensions. Neymar is just injury prone. But when do you kind of like, I don't think it's bizarre for, for me to say that they should look into selling 
a couple of these guys. Like, I think Mbappe being sold next summer is something that is going to be very real. Like, that is going to be something that's going to happen, I think. Because at the end of the day, why would he really want to extend? And there's always Real Madrid looming there. And they need to recoup a lot of that money for the fee that they paid for him. And I don't know if they're going to win with Neymar as the guy. I thought thought it was weird to get Icardi for the price that they paid as well. I know strikers aren't cheap, but I don't know. He's a a glorified poacher. He's not not someone that adds a lot to the game if he's not scoring. When you saw him him on loan there, it didn't feel like they were going to go out and pay 65 million euros for him. I found it weird. But yeah, I think PSG, (laughs) I think the time will come next summer. I think there is a situation where I can't see Neymar staying on his own and I can't, I can see Mbappe staying on his own. I can't, I can see both staying potentially. Mm. I can't see both leaving. Um, So if you look at the potential outcomes here, you've got potentially both of them staying and you've got Mbappe staying right Uh, on his own. Cause I think if you sold Mbappe, Neymar would not be very happy. Um, so I don't know, but but then again, I'm like, where does Neymar go? He turns 29, 30 soon. So who's going to take a punt on those massive wages with that injury history and, and the massive fee that would come in for it with it? Um, it's, a, it's a sticky one for PSG. I think they're going to try and tie both of them down, maybe Neymar to a three to four year deal and, and um, Mbappe to something a bit longer term. But if they could only keep one, I think they'd keep Mbappe. Um, so let's see where that oh, you goes. you have to. You have but, to. But Leon, uh, on the other hand, mm. I mean, I want to pick your brains. Uh, you know, they haven't started the season well. They really are looking to struggle scoring. They've got basically half a squad who might want to leave and the pie <laughs> and Awar and um, Jeff Rene Adelaide and, and a few other players. They've got quite young, promising players like Cherky coming through that, that might need more game time and might get more game time with some of these guys leaving. But Rudy Garcia, do you think he's the answer for, to, to nourish some of this young talent? He doesn't strike me as the type of guy to, to be uh, ready to do that. No, I don't, I don't look. He, it's an eerily similar, similar situation to where he was at with Roma, where there's a lot of turnover at the club with talented players. Like this isn't, this isn't something I think again, them missing out on the champions league spot because Ligun decided to end the season early, just felt like so much doom because then if they weren't going to win the Champions League, everyone's walking. And you knew Leon wasn't going to win the Champions League, right? Like, it was great that they beat City and, and they went further than a lot of people, and, and Juve as well. But Depay is not extending, obviously, coming off an ACL. They're going to dump him most likely to Barcelona. I mean, <laughs> I mean, Rudy Garcia can only do so much, right? I, I, I don't know. I'm, yeah. I'm just, how are you not off on this team? And they're going to be bringing in Paqueta now. Awar is probably leaving, right? Um, depends on what you guys actually figure out, Arsenal, um, <laughs> with your transfer, because that's the biggest. I know there were some Juventus links, but they're not even – it's 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 weird with them and, and their situation too because they just want to go sign Morata. So I don't even know truly where their ambitions lie. But for me – I, Rudy Garcia is probably just going to have to stay there because he's an experienced manager. Yeah. But this is a dreadful start. One three and one is not. Come on. I mean, you have to you have to pick it up. And I do think that 
with those transfers not being solved yet. Yeah, hurt them. it's a big, it's a big issue, it's, right? It, You've got it's the guy a like Awar playing the whole game the other week, and then coming out and talking about potential transfer, um, and then they bring you know the likes of um, Paqueta in, who's not very confident. I mean, is there it's terrible? Is, uh, is there always going to be some regret that maybe he didn't, um, you know, get more minutes at Milan? Or what are your thoughts there, Martino? I think so. Leonardo brings him in, right? It's a big move for a lot of these guys. So Spurs all or nothing. Have you watched it, right? <laughs> I've watched some clips, but no. Okay. Okay. Well, so I think it was a great point in something that they focused on with Tangai Nondembele, uh, right? When a lot of these guys come over from different countries, and in this case, Paqueta with a different continent um, at his age, there's always a transition. We always forget they're human beings a lot of the time. We just, a lot of people get lost in the football manager, the FIFAs, uh, like it's some sort of game where you just sign guys, plug them in, success, not success. They don't really take into account all the, the exterior factors that, that come into this, learning a new language, adapting to the culture, fitting in with a squad, your personality. With Paqueta, it was just, he, he was doing well under Cattuso, but the guy who brought him in and Leonardo convinced him because Liverpool was on the radar, PSG was on the radar, and he chose to go to Milan. And obviously that is the least desirable spot out of those three simply because of how awful they've been. He does pretty solid there, but then Giampaolo comes in and he, t- and he benches him for guys like Barini who's starting in the midfield, and he's telling him he's too Brazilian to play. That doesn't <laughs> help his confidence, right? Meaning the habits that he's getting into – by Giampaolo, what his point was, which I never agreed with it because the, guy, the kid has to learn, was that he's trying to do too much all the time. He's trying to do nutmegs, roulettes, uh, robonas, or whatever the hell he's trying to do. He's not keeping it simple. He can't retain possession. He can't make a simple pass or a through ball. It's always slightly off and ruins a counterattack. It's things like that. And, and when the club is and squad is playing very well, there is no spot for him to get in and gain minutes, especially when he can't even do the basic things. If you can't do the basic things, and this is a team that has to make the Champions League, you're on your way out. So going to a league like Ligue going to Lyon, um, this is it's less it's a eyes, better less move pressure. There's a lot. It's a lot less pressure. And even if Milan sucks, you know, same thing with like Arsenal too. Even if they're not at the the best of what we're accustomed to, there's still a lot of pressure. Yeah, it's still a massive is. club. You can't. And especially the history with Brazilians at that club as well. Like, there's a lot of big names and shoes that they ha- you have to fill. And at the end of the day, he flopped there, but he's still in his early 20s. So he could turn it around and, you know what, maybe, maybe it works out at Lyon. And Milan also got the future percentage of the resale too. So if he, if he plays great, they get that money back too. Just before we move on, Pat, we want to get to our sponsorship by The Athletic. It's a subscription-based sports news site delivering in-depth sports coverage featuring football reporters you know and love like David Ornstein, James Pierce, Sam Lee, and a lot more. The Athletic is telling stories you won't find anywhere else. No ads or clickbait, just great sports writing, Pat. For 40% off your annual subscription to the best sports writing around, you have to go to theathletic.co.uk slash SOP. That's theathletic.co.uk. Dot uk slash sop it's just 249 pounds a month that's um dollars so two dollars and 
50 cents around there a little bit more for uh, some of our American listeners. Obviously, we know how great all the writing and the reporting is there. It was an amazing piece by James Horncastle. Um, if there's some Milan fans uh, reading, interviewed all the top guys there. Your uh, good friend Ivan Gazidis is uh, cited in there as well. <laughs> so it's a, it's a great article um, to read and all the other top clubs. It's It really is so massive with football. Pet. It's just – it's unbelievable how great the coverage is and how much they've put into their resources um, across the pond because this is such a great sport and it deserves a great outlet for, for readers. Yeah, it's awesome. And uh, just to remind you of the link, I think it's the athletic.uk forward slash state of play rather than SOP. I wish SOP worked. That would have been a lot easier for us to plug, but the athletic.uk forward slash state of play for that one. Um, I mean, the next thing we want to talk about is, I guess, Italy and Serie A and some interesting things happened there. Um, What have been your impressions of uh, Juventus under Pirlo so far, Martino? That's been one of the most, uh, I guess, hyped up things, Uh, you know, whether or not he'll be good as a manager. (laughs) I, I think everyone, here's the thing. It's not a fair situation for him to be judged on in his first managerial spot, right? I mean, just being tossed in to there with the expectations is Cristiano Ronaldo. They won nine straight titles. Um, they need to get over the hump for the Champions League. There's a lot of players that are just aged completely, like a Kadira, um, Higuain, Matuidi had to leave. All these guys on crazy high salaries. You also have to deal with these personalities of guys that you were teammates with not too long ago. For me, the funny thing was reading his thesis and coming away with he wanted quick ball retention. There were similarities to Saudi, and it's just kind of like, why would you do that? Is it, then it leads you to believe it was it a personality thing with Saudi, and I think you can come away with that. I think it's formation and their choice to not retain Luca Pellegrini, who I think is one of the better left backs. Uh, in Italian football to send him to Genoa. I mean, look, they see more of the day-to-day operations and stuff that we obviously do. But when, when I see him play, he plays great. But they're putting in a quadrado at left, left wing back. And it's just, for me, it's one of two things. One, he's sending a message to management. This is not good enough. Or two, I don't know who the hell he thinks he is. He's some sort of genius that he knows something about mm-hmm. Quadrado's qualities at that position that we don't. Drawing 2-2 two to, two to Roma is, is not great. Roma is a team that is struggling. I do think they're very overrated, and they overachieved last season. They have a transition with this ownership. They just failed to get Milik from, from Napoli because um the Jekyll situation didn't go well in turn either and Jekyll was supposed to go to Juve but now that's off because they got Morata and Morata again <laughs> that's not a guy that's gonna get them over that Champions League hump for me really, it's really just strange signing isn't it to me yeah it's just one of those things that like Pirlo was like oh I played with him he played well for us we got to a Champions League final in which he started in against Barcelona so why can't he be good underneath me right like he's to me with the amount of like the fee that he goes for in the clubs that he's played at. He's not even close to that. He wasn't great at Atletico. He was a massive flop at Chelsea. The situation that he was in and asked to be at Real Madrid when they were on those uh, 3P Champions League team is the perfect amount of what you could ask for that guy coming in in situations yeah. and, and really performing. 
But considering Cuba's situation with the number nine and striker position, he's not that guy that gets you over as your number one option. And the Dybala situation is dodgy. Kulusevsky looks great. Don't get me wrong. McKenney, first great game, meh, second game. And then, I mean, that comes with the territory, obviously. But for me, I just, what is the goal with Pirlo? And for me, I don't know what that is with Juve. And so for me, that kind of what, like, they're not winning the Champions League. So then at the end of the day, like, what are you doing here? Are you just, like, using Cristiano Ronaldo for what? It just feels like they're wasting one of the greatest players of all time in the biggest competition because they're not really, like, going for it. That's yeah. my sentiment from it. I mean, they were themselves linked with his MOR. Um, they haven't mm-hmm. gone for that for some reason. I think there was some rumors today that they might come in for a late bid, but I don't think that's going to happen. It looks like Arsenal were the, kind of like in a one-horse race there. But yeah. why haven't they gone for some of those players? And, like, for me, I think there's been some... I don't know exactly what to call it. Probably, like, sentimental planning or complacency by Juventus because... I love Paolo Dybala. He's an amazing player. Yes. And I am also generally a fan of Higuain, or at least I was when he was actually playing well and not overweight. Um, (laughs) But like when you sign a guy like Ronaldo, it does not make sense to me to have someone like Paolo Dybala if you're going to use him incorrectly. And every manager who's been there has seemingly not really used Paolo Dybala in the right sense. And I really do think he should have left, right? I know he was linked to Spurs. There was the Mm -hmm. bid. I don't know if Spurs was the right club, but he should have taken it upon himself to be like, look, I'm 26, 27 now. I'm not getting any younger. I need, he needs to be the guy at a team. Like he had the opportunity to be one of those players behind Messi and Ronaldo as the tier two. And right yep. now you look at him and maybe he's like a tier three guy, tier four. And I really do think that Juventus have been like, oh, well, we like him. You know, he's the jewel. Like, we don't want to let him leave, blah, blah, blah. And he's also felt that kind of comfort of being the Juve fans' favorite player. Yeah. I really think that they've both, as Juve, have hurt themselves as a club and Dybala has hurt his own trajectory and career by keeping that relationship together, where... I think warning signs have to go off as soon as you sign a guy like Ronaldo. Dybala must be like, well, I'm not the guy anymore. I'm not the guy that all the attack's going to be dictated around. I'm not the guy where the, the patterns of play are going to be dictated around. And it's the, the kind of, um, I, it's the talisman kind of thing, right? He, for him, I think to be the guy, it's kind of like you see Hammers now at Everton. And I'm not saying that Dybala has to drop to that level. But mm. if you look at like what Hammers is doing now at Everton, he looks phenomenal, right? He looks like a top-rate midfielder in the Premier League, and he is showcasing his talent to everyone in the world. Dybala, I really feel like when he's being used on the right and, and not really in positions that he, he wants to be in and not playing 90 minutes week in, week out, I, f- I really struggle to understand how Juve have come to the conclusion that, well, you know, we'll bring in Winston McKenney for really cheap, by all means, decent young player who might become a really good mainstay in the Juventus team in the future. But they won't invest in other areas where they really need those players by moving on some players that need to be moved on. You know, they kept Higuain until they've basically had to give him away for free to the MLS. Like yeah. it reeks of 
poor planning. They've, I think they've overdone the Bosman thing. You know, Kadir oh was, God, was a yeah. bad signing. Ramsey looks like he's going to eventually be a bad signing on the, on the wages that he is. I think they've, I don't know. There's something Rabiot, wrong. like showed flashes Rabiot, and gets yeah, a red again. card over the weekend. It's yeah. just, again, the expectations when you give guys salaries like that, where they're getting paid to, like if you look at the wage bill, bill discrepancy in this league, they are so far ahead of everyone else. And a lot of the guys that they have now, it's it really doesn't make – like the best signings that they've made are these huge money signings. But like bringing Bonucci back from Milan, it just – that didn't sit well with the fans, right? Because they just accepted him back in and then he extends on this contract where he gets paid even more than the past. Like not being able to dump uh, Daniela Rugani type is – like, you got to get rid of a guy like that. He's clearly not good enough. And then the Dybala thing. Like, Pat, he hasn't even played yet this season. I know we're only two weeks in, but how do you not get that guy in there? Like, mm. he is so phenomenal, like you said. And he's – it's like he's okay with it. Like, he's okay with, like, being in this situation. And it's kind of like big fish, small pond vibes for me. Yeah. It just – like, he's okay with this being his level. Whereas a Neymar – wanted to leave and go be his own man at PSG. Yeah. I'm not saying that's what Dybala wanted to go do or, you know, he's okay with this. But it just – he doesn't have the mentality of a killer that you would like him to have considering his talent level. Because everyone will tell you the second he came up with Palermo and he had that season, like, that is someone for the future and that's someone that could potentially fill the shoes of a Messi on an international level eventually. And at this point, you're kind of just like, was did we see the best of him already? And if we're already saying that, that's a, that's a disappointment. And people won't call it a disappointment over there simply because they win the league. And, and that's why they think it's okay. But in reality, if a player like that doesn't reach his full potential, then I think that that's also an indictment on the club. And they didn't put you know their most talented players in the best – position and succeed because no matter what Ronaldo's going to do if he's on the best team in this league he's going to be like he's going to be the top scorer this year I think that's like his main goal <laughs> by the way yeah I, I think he's sick that Immobile and Aquilarella have outscored him in his first two seasons because if he knows he ain't winning the Champions League that's his goal now yeah so by all means scored a lot of goals in both <laughs> seasons as well it's just no, yeah, you guys yeah, have just had crazy crazy se- like once in a hundred year seasons um both both from the region of napoli by the way both for <laughs> different teams yeah like it's it's crazy um were you i mean speaking of napoli were you yeah. kind of been impressed like by that segue or? huh <laughs> yeah <laughs> I, did it, I did it on purpose um amazing i mean like I don't know. Did you catch any of the game over the weekend? I didn't, but uh, from what I read and what I saw, they looked pretty decent. Did you see the Oshman assist on the goal? No. That Losano scored? Okay, well, you have to go visit that, and I encourage everyone else to go view it too. That goal that they had, you got the the peak of Napoli when they were contending for the Scudetto and playing the nice, the great, the, like some of the greatest football of a side that like didn't win anything in Italy. Like the way they played under Sarri was just so much fun to watch. And you really got that vibe now. And I think that's credit to Gattuso for writing the ship in the locker room. But throttling a team six to nothing when a lot of people had question marks of a Victor Oshman because he's coming from, you know, Ligun, that a lot of people like to call it a farmer's league. This is a record signing fee, um, 
for the club, shattering what they paid for Higuain at the time. And, you know, it's it, the, the expectations are high and they need someone to perform right away. And he's honestly doing that. And he's looked fantastic. I think they looked really good. I locked them in for the top four. I didn't think that there was any chance that they wouldn't do it. And honestly, Kulabali channeling his old self is a huge plus for this squad because they were always going to be able to score goals, control the midfield. Um, it was really their center backs that had some inconsistencies and especially at the right left back position at times, there's more stability there now. And honestly, Pet, keeping the five subs for Serie A is massive for a squad like them. I mean, just having the ability to bring on so many talented players um, at the same time, and even having an Insigne go down and having a Chucky Lozano being able to fill that, that hole there. I mean, it's huge for them. And it's great to see Napoli do this um, and get back to where they were because it sucked not to see them in that hunt last year, just an overall fan. Cause it's just, it was such a disaster for them. And hopefully it was just an outlier uh, because the fans deserve better than what happened last year, even though they righted the ship a little bit. Yeah. And I think uh, it seems as though Koulibaly is going to stay. That's probably quite big for them, but also, yeah. you know, sometimes it takes a player a season to adapt and that's probably what we're seeing with Lozano, right? This could be the season oh, yeah. where he, you know, it's always weird. There's sometimes before a season where you look at a team squad and you're like, who's going to be the guy, right? And you're like, well, they've got uh, Osimhen and they've got Mertens, they've got Insigne and they've got Lozano and they've got um, X and Y. Who's going to be the guy that is the best player that season? And I remember when I think Arsenal had uh, Giroud and Gazzola, Podolski, um, Ramsey, Wilshire. There were a load of kind of like similar level players and yeah. you don't really know who's going to be the guy. And that season, Ramsey scored like 16 Premier League goals. He had his best season ever for at least half a season and he was amazing. Um, and sometimes you get that where there isn't like one top, top guy. I mean, Napoli's best player is Koulibaly, right? Let's, you know, yeah. let's yeah. all stop there by, by a mile. But in terms of kind of like the forward thinking players, there isn't necessarily that one guy there that I'd pinpoint as the guy who's going to lead them from an attacking standpoint. And I think it could genuinely be any of those four or five that I've just mentioned. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, Mertens has got an, an amazing scoring record, especially over the last two seasons, but maybe he isn't as um, involved with the build-up, uh, especially if he's playing number nine, which it looks like he won't be doing as much this season. It could be any of those guys who really lead them this season. And it's kind of exciting to see to not know who's going to be the guy at Napoli this season. Yeah, and that and that's great too because it's a funny thing that a lot of people like to do in basketball. Like, take the NBA Finals for example. You get all the players from both teams, right? And you can do this with Juve and Napoli. You say, okay, Juve and the Lakers, right? They have the two best players, like a Dybala and a Cristiano Ronaldo, right? Yeah. But let's name play who has the best players from three to like twelve. For example, you could all argue they're on Napoli, right? Koulibaly could be considered third. Like Insigne is better than a lot of the midfielders that um, Juve have, especially the current version of them. Zielinski, there's Fabian Ruiz when he gets Mm. in there. Um, Elmas is another guy that I think is really going to explode on the scene for them this year. They're just so deep and... I really do think last year was an outlier and one, and I think they got their confidence back and winning that Coppa Italia is a big thing. Um, 
And whatever happened in the Champions League is the Champions League. You can't take too much away from it. But, yeah, I don't know. There's a, good, there's a great vibe around them, and I do think they'll be heading back to play Champions League football next season. But we have to keep moving on um, here to wrap up. But talking about some of the more exciting teams and the Champions League winner, obviously, this was the most stunning – they're the most stunning results of the weekend, Pat. They're absolutely bar none. Bayern <laughs> and Dortmund will just combine them together, both losing – Hoffenheim and Augsburg um, beating both of these teams. I've caught, I caught convincingly both Convincingly as well, both by three goals. Yes, yeah. So we'll go with Bayern first. I mean, Bayern, that was just an all-around, like, flop, like, crazy. Like, it's they did have the Super Cup in the midweek, so maybe they were a little bit tired. But after their performance against Schalke in the opening match, it was like <laughs> nothing. Um, you think, oh, Hoffenheim, they could take care of. Like, they gave up a lot of goals, and... Now, of course, the question started with a lot of people. How big of a loss was Thiago? And is it going to be a bigger issue longer term? I don't believe that to be true, but same thing with Dortmund. I think that part of it is they're a very young squad. So I think you're going to see some performances like that from time to time where they end up uh, losing stuff like that. But that might be the last time in a while that we see both of them lose on the same week. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I've not actually been that hot on Bayern compared to a lot of people. Just, okay. um, I mean, I think they've created a system where it's allowed a lot of very good players to perform excellently. So, you know, Muller was definitely in decline. Uh, I thought he was definitely finished like 24 months ago. He's obviously been, he, he's gotten the best out of him through Hansi Flick's system. I think, you know, if you look at... Um, who they've been playing at centre-back. Um, Manuel Neuer has obviously come to the fore again. There are definitely ways to hurt this uh, Bayern team. And it starts from their defence, you know. Um, we talked about mm. it when we previewed the Champions League. If PSG can go at those centre-backs and if they can get in behind them, they yeah. will score a lot of goals. They didn't, right? They had loads of chances. They didn't, right? You remember oh God, the yeah. Mbappe chance from eight yards out. We remember yep. X and Y, you know, um, uh, who was it right at the end as well? Was it Chupamoting's chance? <laughs> Crazy yeah, amounts yeah, of chances that they actually created and should have probably at least drawn that game. But that Bayern team are there to be hurt um, because they just don't really have that still. Even Davies gets caught with his pants down sometimes. And he yeah, relies I mean, on his speed happen. a good amount. Yeah, He's young. Is no, he really course. a left back? Like, there's those questions as well. Uh, he's mm-hmm. kind of in the, the Bakayo Saka situation where you're like, well, he's actually a winger, but he's playing really left, well a left back. Let's, <laughs> let's play him there whenever he plays, right? Um, yeah. I think Lucas Hernandez was amazing in the Super League final, uh, the Super Cup final. Uh, he looked like a real defensive stalwart. And I was just kind of thinking there, like, he must have sort of thought on the sidelines, like, I'm never, ever going to get back into this team because this kid <laughs> Davis is so good. But really, what he's done is just been like, well, if I concentrate on what I'm really good at, aka defending, tackling, and when I get into the opposition third, crossing, then if I do that, then I've got a decent chance of playing. Eventually, I think he'll move into the centre. Um, that's probably yeah. where Bayern need more help. And again, they've got Pavard at right back who is more of a centre-back as well, which I find kind of strange. On, on the Dortmund subject, I really do think that letting Hakimi go for what is, in my opinion, COVID or no COVID, a nominal fee for, in my opinion, the second best right-back in the world, was crazy. Like, I can't understand. You have a guy there who is perfect in the system that you play, right? And you think, okay, let's let 
Inter Milan having for what was it, Matt uh, Martino? Thirty-five million euros. Uh, it was around forty million, but I believe it was euros. Real. Madrid. He returned to Real Madrid, though, right? But 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 you know, I'm presuming Dortmund could have got that deal done if they wanted to, right? They probably had some sort of first offer, uh, first opportunity. And why, if Hakimi has already played an amazing season there, why wouldn't he not want to go back there? I don't know. I don't think Inter's a step up. It's a bit weird. Anyway, and then the guy you... I I don't really mind letting him go if you replace him with an adequate talent. If you go out and get someone who at least fills half or three quarters of the void that he does. But to replace him with Thomas Munir on a free for what must be crazy wages for that Dortmund side is inexplicable. Like it's crazy. I cannot believe they have done that. And for me, it's, it's slight suddenness because if they had sold Jane Sancho at the beginning of the transfer window, and by all means, mm-hmm. they, they could still sell him right in this last week. It's, it's not out of the question sure. that he could still go to United. It's still a good chance. Um, if they sold him right at the start, you were then in the position to be like, okay, we can buy Hakimi permanently, 40 million euros. We still have 80 million euros over left. We've got Rainer on loan. We've got uh, Giovanni Rainer coming through. We've got uh, Yusuf Makoko, is it? The, the guy who scores like 100 goals in all the youth, youth leagues. Oh, yeah, he, yeah, yeah. And then they got Bellingham six, too. He, he turns 16 in November. He can make first team appearances. Then you go out and get a guy like a Ferran Torres level type player who can replace some of the quality that Sancho gives you and wait for those youngsters to come to the fore. That would have been my game plan. And it means that you're financially not crippled by COVID and, um, you know, your books look a little bit better. And I think you have a better rebuilding process and situation there. What they've done in being like, well, we want to keep the, the, the jewel in the crown, but actually the emerald's gone. Um, in, in Hakimi, I, I find crazy. And then you get yourself in a situation where if Sancho doesn't leave this summer, he's going next summer. Like, you can bet your house on it. And Haaland also has this clause that comes in in either next January or the summer after next where he can leave for a certain amount of money. Suddenly, within 18 months, Dortmund could find themselves in a rebuilding position. Mm. Instead of letting Sancho go at the beginning of the season, keeping Hakimi and uh, buying a Ferran Torres level type player or, or a player of that caliber, uh, maybe a Marcus Turan from uh, Borussia uh, Gladbach. I think they've just kind of played this game of poker a bit poorly. And if he does go in the end, Sancho, he'll go for a lower fee than he, he would have done at the beginning. Mm-hmm. And I think it would have been poor planning in, in the form of, of Dortmund. So above all, um, I think they're going to be, I think they'll come second again, but um I don't think they'll come kind of spine and I think they're going to struggle in some games where, as you mentioned, the, the young side just can't break sides down. Yeah. And I mean, I think that's just all natural with the, with the process and you have to expect that they do still have some of that leadership because they kept, you know, Royce and Hummels is still there. And I think Hazard and Brent are still quality players, but yeah. even the decision to bring back like a Hummels too, like that guy declined heavily compared to a lot of people. So even then, the defense is shaky. And then, again, yeah, losing a guy like Hakimi, the the amount that you don't have to worry about now on that right side of the of the pitch when you're playing them is just astronomical. And the, and the difference is going to show in the Champions League, in my opinion. It might not show in the Bundesliga on the weekends all the time, but the second they start playing some other top clubs in mm. whatever group they get tossed into, you're going to see, man – Looks like they could have used a lot of pace on that right side. And then even the Emir Chan signing too, a lot of people didn't like really point. They they bought him for around 27 million euros. Like that's just yeah. not 
That's just not that's just not wise to me. So I think they could have. I mean, Hummel was for 30, 30 odd million euros when he's yeah. thirty. I but people just look at you know Hummel's. I mean, Holland coming in for like twenty million euros, but that was because it was a release clause, and they took advantage of it. Kudos to them. But you know, there's like if you're gonna like applaud them for that move, you're gonna have to rip them for everything else, like you mentioned. I think you highlighted that very well. Um, we'll head over to La Liga real quick. Ansu Fati living up to the hype, Pet. Um, first time more in a goals. while. More goals I, at this age than Messi had. <laughs> unbelievable. Yeah, you know who had more goals than uh, Messi, Cristiano Ronaldo um, before by like the age of like 19, 20, by the way? Lukaku? No. <laughs> close. No, not close. Um, Pato, Alexander. Ah. Pato. Just to... Just to, you know, turn the knife. Foreshadowing, foreshadowing. foreshadowing. No, no foreshadowing. But yeah, but no, well, as long as he's healthy, he's fine. But look, Fatih, I mean, again, we, how many times have we seen so many La Masia players come out in recent years? Like, you know, Ricky Puig, Alilovic, um, you can even point to De Lufeo as, as another guy. Um, countless players that that come out of that system time and time again that we're expecting to be the Xavi's or the Iniesta's of the world or even a Messi to an extent that don't even come close to living up the hype or, or you know come close to this production he is the first guy in a long time at this age for them to come up through their youth ranks and be like okay that's the guy that's someone that you could say is that's all the talent of the world. The production is there, and he's doing it at a high level. He's doing it on the La Liga games over the weekend. We saw him step up in the Champions League matches as well. This is someone that it makes you get angry then as a Barca fan because of all the all the players they sign mm-hmm. now that could potentially block the guy. And even if he doesn't, if even if those players are not blocking him, he's starting over players that you spent over a hundred million euros on. So that just still. That still makes the situation suck, but at the end of the day, you're still getting one of the best youngsters in the world, and it would cost them nothing. Yeah, I mean, they also have a really good class of uh, new graduates coming very soon um, from La Masia. <laughs> yeah, no, no, honestly, I think the, the kind of 2003, 2004, 2005 class are apparently the best that they've seen since like the Messi era the messy Fabregas kind of class. So yeah, I'm yeah. really, really looking forward to see how those guys get integrated. But also it's interesting. There seems to be this massive rift with Komen and uh, Messi and the board and Komen being hated by all the players. But Fatty looked like he was in love with Komen. Did you see that uh, photo of them, him when he came off? They were like really embracing each other. It was quite nice to see. First bit of positivity you've seen uh, at Barca for ages. But, you know, it's mm. going to be really interesting to watch Barcelona this season. Um, and I, I really think that... You know, it's clearly a transitional period, but what could help Messi leaving next summer is if you have a breakout season from Ansu Fati. I think that would help a lot. I think they got to win something. I think it'll help, yeah. but they got to win something, right? I just... I and... think it's it's not been about the lack of winning for Barcelona. It's been about the way that they've lost, though. I think, you know, uh, the way that they lost to, to Liverpool in the Champions Roma. League a couple of seasons ago, the, we, the way that they lost to Roma, the, the way that they lost the title last season, it has been the way and the manner in which Barcelona have lost these, um, these trophies and not been competing with these trophies rather than the actual fact. Because I think if you play amazingly, amazingly good football where the players are all happy and you have a coach that has a good philosophy and a vision and the board that supports that vision, 
you can get away with it. The fans can kind of buy into it. But when none of those things are there, then none of them are. you get the situation of turmoil and, 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 and hate that you currently have at Barcelona. Uh, yeah, it's look, see, like it was only a couple of weeks ago we we had Abidal going fire Kike Sitien, only for Abidal to get fired within a few days later. So it just shows kind of the way they ran right now. And we don't even know what Bartomeu's future is as well. Um, you'd have to think he's on the way out. And then Kuman's going to eventually want his own guys. So whatever you got, whatever they did last summer is going to be undone. For me, it's just it, there still has to be a lot of stuff that needs to be completed or figured out before we know what the future of Messi is. I think this is definitely uh, a start. But, look, I mean, for me, I'd still be worried because I, I, I just can't forget everything that just happened a few weeks ago because it was just a few weeks ago, right? And. And the fact that we're just supposed to be convinced that everything will be all right there. I'm not saying that's what you're saying. Just, you know, a couple good performances, sure. But what happens when Barca has a poor performance again? Because they're going to have one eventually, right? Just how do they respond? What is, what is the vibe over there? What's the energy like? Because if, if there's a hint of negativity again, then it can spiral out of control just as fast as it previously was because those old feelings are going to resurface from Messi because if Bartomeu is still there, they're not playing the most attractive football. Ronald Koeman isn't somebody that Messi wanted there initially. Suarez is, is gone at this point. Um, Griezmann is in flux. I've never seen a player just you know move like this and become rendered useless basically for the amount of money that he was brought over here for the Dembele stuff as well is still not resolved. Coutinho came back. There's just a lot of question marks. And for me, it's something that I would still be very worried about, but again, at least you got Fati because that, that helps it a little bit uh, during match days. But I think that's actually that some reports coming out now that it's money. Dembele might be going to United, which is uh which would be yeah, per- the perfect environment for a player like that right now. <laughs> Just uh, you know, I feel I feel uh, it's 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 rough sledding for him, but at the end of the day, you got to take care of your body. I'll be honest. Yeah, with you. I I don't yeah. know if that's like a very good signing. <laughs> I don't hell know. no, hell no. I'll be yeah, honest yeah. with you. I'll be I'll be straight. No, it's terrible. It's, I don't I don't yeah. think there's there's very few environments that he's going to be able to walk into right now and, and, and do great. Maybe maybe you know he'll try alone somewhere. Um, back in boom just like you know just get restarted um but that is going to wrap everything up for this episode um we eclipsed forty thousand downloads um across all episodes so i just want to thank everybody for downloading all that i obviously haven't been here for every single episode but it's been a lot of fun to see all the growth we hit 1800 followers on twitter as well we're continuing uh to grow on all other platforms um we eclipse. I eclipsed a thousand followers. How close are you, Pat? Um, to the I'm like I'm like sixty now. off, man. Okay. Well, you'll get there. You'll get there very <laughs> soon. I bet. I bet by the time if you if you increase your volume of tweeting by the time <laughs> everybody returns from international break in a few weeks, I think you'll be there. Um, but so go ahead and plug yourself and the uh, social media. Yeah, you can find me at Pet Berisha, P-E-T-B-E-R-I-S-H-A. Uh, follow me for some uh, probably angry tweets about Arsenal and, and other stuff. Yeah, um, you know, they'll be good. They're going to they're gonna be making some noise, especially uh, whenever uh, Europa League rolls around. I think a lot more <laughs> people are going to be uh, 
respecting them. You think any more moves real quick before uh, transfer window? Because we're not going to be talking until the transfer window happens. Do you expect any any other moves? I think it's going to be busy last week. Really busy right. last week. All right. All right. I agree with that too. Um, yeah, you can just follow me on Twitter at Martino Puccio. Um, everything else, maybe I'll go live again um, on Periscope after uh, Milan's um, Thursday night Europa League spot. They had three qualifiers. How terrible! Like so terrible that they have to go through. So, like this is this is what they get though for sucking like that. Um, but yeah, follow us on there. Follow Matt at at Matt underscore Santangelo. You'll see that in the description as well. Uh, for now, listen to some walking.